and here alongside Sean and uh, the week. It was an interesting week. We had buzzer beaters. We had the Big uh, South. Just what what a conference championship. Uh, we had Ron Harper Jr. saving records. We had Chucky Hepburn to win the Big Ten. Uh, and even if there's – it hasn't been like the most loaded, you know, slate uh, or week of games, but it's still been awesome. Yeah, it has been. I mean, you mentioned the Wisconsin-Purdue game. That was a very fun game. Just because it had that March feel to it. You have Johnny Davis banking one in. You have Jaden Ivey pulling up from three with 12 seconds left, nothing but net. And then Chucky Hepburn goes and drills a bucket two off the glass. So it was just a very entertaining. There wasn't like a loaded day of games necessarily, but there's been a lot of entertaining games, a lot of games with stuff on the line, a lot of games that didn't have a lot on the line because leagues have already been won in some leagues. But uh, the conference tournaments, like the Big South, just it's been awesome. The Sun Belt has been awesome. When you look at the Big South, I mean, there's already a good amount of upsets in that league. You had a few overtime games, one and double overtime. Then you look at the Sun Belt today, uh, you, you have South Alabama losing in the first round, which I'm not sure too many people saw coming, but J.J. Chandler was out, so it was going to be tougher for them to win much in the Sun Belt tournament. But you had that game, you had Norchad O'Meara dropping 34 for Arkansas State. Just been a fun, fun week of hoops. Yeah, definitely. And uh, conference tournaments are they're here now, so I mean that's obviously uh, going to be fun. And you know, it's kind of like interesting to track. You've got like. When you get into conference championship week, you have obviously, you know, the teams that we all expect, like the Winthrop from the Big South. Uh, I guess I have no idea who that team is from the Sun Belt, but there's like. There, Port- I mean, there isn't really like a yeah. clear favorite in the Sun Belt. But I you've mean, got a lot of teams State's that can win. Hottest team. Yeah, yeah. Florida State's the hottest team right now. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a confusing conference. Yeah, so I mean it. It's definitely fun to watch, uh, you know, and it certainly should be. I mean, the Big South. You have three games going to overtime, and the one game that doesn't is a buzzer beater. So I mean, hard to deliver better than what the Big South did. And uh, March is here, and you know they they've got some kind of interesting matchups: uh, Charleston Southern versus uh, South Carolina Upstate, the twelve versus four matchup. Uh, Charleston Southern pulled a already pulled one stunner. Can they yeah. do it again? We'll see. Yeah, maybe they, they end up playing Longwood. Who, who would see that coming? That I mean, nice. I didn't think Charleston Southern was going to win their first round matchup. So, yeah, but here they are. Yeah, incredible week of games. And I think the biggest game, of course, we'll start with this one. It, it, we mentioned it earlier Chucky Hepburn goes glass. Uh, what, what were your thoughts of just that finish? Because that was like, and we kind of got it again, like with Indiana Rutgers with kind of different, different stakes on the line. But this one, mm-hmm. like for a league title, you get Jay Nivey drilling the three, and then you get Chucky Hepburn, who I was like, wait, that's not Johnny Davis shooting the shot. That's a bad shot. And maybe it was a bad shot, but hey, the, the bank was open. I mean, I, I want to go back a little bit here you look at Johnny Davis's shot first it gives Wisconsin the lead and then Jaden Ivey goes and hits that shot those guys are two lottery picks like that's part of what makes college basketball awesome those guys have really developed as sophomores they both have big shots right there and then Chucky Hepburn a rising freshman goes and gets a game winner I think Wisconsin's the best team in the Big Ten Uh, I don't know that they're going to win a national title but I do think they are the best team in the Big Ten. 
Purdue's defense is just so, so inconsistent, usually pretty bad. Wisconsin has the best player in the Big Ten. They have Chucky Hepburn, who's getting better every game. They have Brad Davison, who can hit a shot and defend. Tyler Wall is a solid player. The contributors for Wisconsin, I feel like, are a little underrated. But for Wisconsin to make real noise in the tournament, they're going to need Johnny Davis to play like Johnny Davis. Yeah. And I think the kind of interesting thing with this Wisconsin team is, like, early in the season – it was Giant Davis, Giant Davis, Giant Davis. Now it's like, I mean, Brad Davison didn't have a good game, but I mean, he's capable of going out and getting you a joy. Chucky Hepper, I think, has really kind of developed as the season's gone along. Like, and for him to even take that shot, it was like, what was he for one? It a lot was, of confidence. Yeah. That confidence, though, has been gradually building. I mean, Tyler Wall's kind of a good inside option. So, this Wisconsin team, they for one, they defend really well, and that kind of keeps them in the games. Uh, and then you obviously have a closer in Giant Davis, but you also have other players who now can step up with you know Hepburn really kind of developing. You have Brad Davison who you know can any moment just drill a big shot. Uh, you have Tyler Wall who's really improved, and uh, you know not a great bench, but it doesn't have to be overly great. Um, yeah, Wisconsin, they were able to, you know, kind of, I think the most impressive thing is they went on a like five minute stretch where they did absolutely nothing in the second half. And I feel most teams, if you do that against Purdue, you're going to find yourself losing that game. And for Wisconsin to go on that five minutes scoring drought and then come out and it, w- it was really Giant Davis who had kind of those big, you know, couple baskets to, get Wisconsin back into momentum and then, you know, eventually take the late lead down the stretch. Jane Ivey, of course, ties the game, but that was really key for Wisconsin winning this game. No question about it. I would say that was probably the game of the week, but uh, I let's talk about two more Big Ten games that happened today, both involving Michigan schools. Both of them lost. Uh, Michigan dropped one at home to Iowa. Chris Murray and Keegan Murray both had big games. And then Ohio State without Zed Key and Kyle Young go and beat Michigan State. My question to you is, do you trust last year's Iowa team more or this year's Iowa team more? I think it's this year's Iowa team more. And th- this could be recency bias. We we don't know what they'll end up being, doing in the NCAA tournament. But this de- this defense has se- seemingly improved. Uh well, Luca Garza, I think, is a better offensive player than Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray, so is very good offensively. Like Luca Garza was, I mean, he was player of the year for a reason. Uh, but yeah, I think this, you know, the kind of interesting thing with this Iowa's team is defensively, they've been pretty good. They're kind of, you know, sneaky athletic. So, I mean, I've been impressed with this Iowa team. Uh, and, you know, we, we kind of discussed earlier. You know, they hadn't necessarily had the, you know, quality wins to back it up. And, you know, prior to them going on the road and beating Ohio State, it was like, all right, is this Iowa team even a tournament team? And then they they go out, win that game. They beat Michigan State by 26. I mean, they take care of business. I guess they only won by 10 against Nebraska, but I guess Nebraska yeah, I, is I'd a love, top 25 I'd love to take now. back my thoughts on uh, Iowa a few weeks ago. Yeah. But, I mean – we shared the same sentiments and here they go. They're like, all right, we're, we're growling into gear. And uh, it's been Keegan Murray, who's been the, you know, alpha. And then you got Chris Murray kind of developing uh, alongside him. I mean, he had 19 points. You've got Bohans who's solid. 
Uh, Tony Perkins is kind of a good defensive guard, which feels like Iowa hasn't had one of those in a little while. So, uh, yeah, Iowa, you know, they're going to be a tough out in the NCAA tournament. They'll be lower seeded, but they could be a team, you know, get Fran McCaffrey to a Sweet 16. Certainly he's done a good job coaching this team. I mean, what, they'll probably be a five or six? I think six, maybe. Like, if they're a six, I mean, that means they play a three or a 14 in the round of 32. Should they get past an 11? I think they could be pretty much every three seed. And then after that, what, they play potentially a one seed or an eight or a nine seed in the Sweet 16? Is that correct? Uh, If they're six, they'd get a two. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they could be – an elite eight caliber team. I mean, I, I do. They, they, Keegan Murray's really good. And I tweeted this earlier. Every, every year there's like a few players where everybody that watches college basketball is like, this guy's going to be a breakout player next year. That guy's clearly Chris Murray for next year. Yeah. I mean, his brother's like, I mean, you just see it with his brother. Like his brother took off. I don't uh, think anybody year. saw Keegan becoming this, this year though. Yeah. Like, I, I saw some mock drafts before the season having him, like, in the top three. I'm like, yeah, we could see, like, Keegan Murray breaking out. And, like, we we thought it was, like, manageable that he breaks out and becomes Iowa's best player and averages, like, 15, 16 a game. We didn't think he'd be, like, one of the nation's leading scorers. Mm-mm. So, I mean, he's been impressive. I right, Real quick here, who are your first-team All-Americans? Good question. Man, I, I think, think I'm gotta moving go... Keegan into that alongside yeah. Davis, Oscar, Abaji, uh, and Chet. That's my five right now. I'm going to go Johnny. I'm going to go Colin Gillespie, Oscar, Keegan Murray. Who was your other one? Abaji. Yeah, it's tough. It, for me, it's probably Abaji or Kofi. I'll go. I'll go Kofi. Wait, you had Gillespie on it? Yeah. He's not a first team All American. For me, he is. No. He probably won't be, but he he's good. Best point guard in the country. Well. It, you can say, like, I think you could argue, like, he's the best point guard. In the, like, he can win the koozie, but he's not going to be a first-team All-American. I'll say that. He's shooting shooting 42% from three, 16.5 points per game, three rebounds, three assists. I mean, the numbers aren't there with a guy like Abaji, but when you consider what he brings to Villanova, I, I think he got he has to get some some consideration in that range. Like, I could see him being second team. I could, first team for me. All right. Uh, moving on here, though. First team all dagger, Ron Harper Jr. Because Indiana hits a three, which that seemingly never happens. They miss threes like it's going out of style. And they hit a big three uh, to tie the game. It looks like Indiana's going to force overtime. And Ron Harper Jr. just stepped back. Pure onions. Rutgers wins the game. 
They're back in the bubble mix. They're ahead of Indiana. I still have them on the outside looking in, but I mean, they're right there on the bubble. And if they can go out and beat Penn State by a good margin this weekend, they're going to improve their net. I think come you know next Monday, they could be on the right side of the bubble. I mean, right now, if you look at it, Michigan and Rutgers would play in the, uh, I guess, second round of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. What do you think the odds of that being kind of a play-in game almost for the NCAA tournament is? I think it would be – it depends if if Michigan wins at Ohio State, which is going to be – they're going to be underdogs. We'll you know preview that game later. I mean, if Michigan wins at Ohio State, I could see that being – or I think Michigan gets in at that point, no matter what they do against Rutgers. But if Michigan loses at Ohio State, I think that becomes a play out game. Like the loser of that, they're just straight to the NIT. Like I think that's the Yeah, maybe thing. that's more so what I meant, I yeah. guess, in a sense. I mean, you look at the NC remember the NC State Clemson game from a few yeah. years ago? Yeah. And neither of them got in. <laughs> it was like playing game for the NCAA tournament. It was being hyped up as that. And like, everyone's like I mean, I oh. thought it was that too. I mean, I wasn't doing any of this stuff at the time. I was just a college basketball fan, but I went into that. I'm like, all right, the winner's going to get in the tournament. And then neither of them get in. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I think I, I, I had neither of them in the tournament in my bracket that year. Um, but yeah, I, I, coined it a play out game for that one and i was right although i guess both it yeah they the were both out, so NC it wasn't state, really a play out game yeah the issue nc state had is they played virginia the next game and like they lost by 30 mm-hmm. can't have that yeah so i mean if if you're michigan or rutgers and you let's say win this game and then you go out and play wisconsin who will be the one seed in the big 10 tournament and you lose by 37 i mean at that point get send them send them both to the nit i want a part of neither but yeah that's that would assuming that's what ends up unfolding maybe we get another records versus indiana situation which uh we just saw how the last one went so i mean it's going to be fascinating i think the big 10 tournament is certainly with Rutgers, certainly with michigan if you know kind of this last week and we'll discuss the Michigan out Ohio state game. Certainly a big game there. Uh, Going to be a really kind of fascinating big 10 tournament and a lot on the line for different reasons. Like you obviously are, everyone's playing for the big 10 tournament title, but everyone's also playing to advance and improve their positioning in March madness. I said last podcast when we're making our picks, I just haven't seen it from this Texas team all year where I'm like, all right, this team's going to win a game in the tournament. I still haven't seen that because they did not look good against Baylor the other day. They just didn't. Baylor was a clear better team. They still don't have LJ Cryer. They didn't have Jonathan Chamwood-Shotua. He's done for the year. And Baylor beat them by seven on the road. They shot four for 23 from deep. Marcus Carr at 13, Christian Bishop at 13, Timmy Allen only at 10. They just didn't look very good, and that's been an issue for them all year. The metrics still like them a lot, but I just don't I don't see it. Yeah, that this was like a prove-it game for Texas. I picked Texas, and they did not prove it. They, they proved that they're a uh, NCAA tournament upset uh, special team. Like, they're, they're your typical 
five they might seed not even that... be that at this point though like will they really be a five seed like i just can't picture this team being a five seed i think with their metrics and like the kind of whacking of great options behind them like i mean ohio state just lost to nebraska are we going to put them on i the think i would line? take every 12 seed over them i don't think there's a single 12 seed i wouldn't take over texas right now hey if, if you xavier's a 12 seed I All right, I would take Texas. Texas. I would take yeah. Texas. Well, I, I'm more so hoping that the – wait, how is Xavier 12, like in the first four? Yeah. So, I mean, I they guess playing? they would have to actually win a game there. Yeah, who's Xavier playing? SMU. Ooh. I'd probably take Texas over both of them, but <laughs> that's not a – who are your other 12 seats? Uh, let's see. South Dakota State. And definitely Iona. taking South Dakota State. Definitely taking Iona. Oh, yeah, I would take Wake would Forest, take Notre Dame. In a playing game? Yeah, that's – so It. I guess the 12 seeds are Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Xavier, SMU, because I kind of have it in order of uh, seedless. So Xavier and okay. SMU show up there to get – yeah, so I mean – yeah, that, I mean the Longhorns. They certainly are. They're they're going to be on upset alert first round, and probably with a couple bid stealers in there. Like uh, you'll throw in like twelve seed North Texas or something. Or I would take North Texas over Texas. Yeah, so fast. Yeah, and I I wouldn't hesitate. Like North Texas might get North, North Texas, Texas should, should get, be an at large team should. Yeah. I mean, Oregon's playing themselves out. They're done. They're about to lose to Washington. They're not a tournament team. Notre Dame, I really feel like, should be more like I, – I don't know. I don't see it with Notre Dame either. They have a really good offense. Defense isn't very good. Their metrics aren't better than North Texas is for the most part. I just don't see it there with Notre Dame. I know they have 21 wins, but I'm not there with them. They're, they're uh, a fluke win against Kentucky. Like That, that was like one game. I where, totally like, forgot they beat Kentucky. Yeah. Like, if they don't beat Kentucky, like, in that game, a lot had to go right. You also had, like, the LaFonso Ellis jersey retirement day and, like, stuff like that. It was, like, one of these games, like, everything went the luck of the Irish. But, like, if Kentucky, you know, manages to escape with a win there, we're not even talking about Notre Dame as a tournament team. And, like, they, they just lost to Florida State, who has, like – they're playing they're, a bunch of Matt Cleveland didn't play either. Yeah. Like they're, they're who's the, John Butler's their point guard. Like John Butler is definitely not their point guard, but he could be Raekwon Evans, Raekwon Evans. They got Anthony polite back, but they Malik Osborne, Caleb Mills and Matthew Cleveland did not play. You can't lose that game. You can't, you can't lose that no. Game. And like, Wyoming lost to UNLV. That's not a good loss. They're putting themselves on the close to the wrong side of the bubble. Yes. That loss to UNLV is better than the loss to Florida State. Not by much, but still it is. Yeah. Both are quadrant two losses, but put Florida State and UNLV on a neutral court tomorrow. UNLV UNLV is favored. Yeah, I mean, neither neither are good losses. And I mean, I guess we could segment this into Wyoming, who had a bad week. Like to lose at home to San Diego State, it's like one thing, but these losses just keep kind of adding up. And, you know, this Wyoming team 
kind of felt like they were in say turn rent bound. Like if they get a win here, like against San Diego State, it's like, all right, they're probably going to the NCAA tournament, but they, they miss an opportunity there. But I mean, you go on the road, you get another quad two win at UNLV. That certainly helps their case. They miss an opportunity there. Uh, Fresno state is now, uh, I think a must win game. Like if Wyoming loses that game, they're, they're probably, you know, looking at having to at least go to like the mountain West championship to even have a chance. So, I mean, this, this Wyoming team, that's a must win game for them. Yeah, it's really unfortunate too because I do think this is a really good Wyoming team, but they put themselves in a pretty tough spot. There, uh, when I'm comparing them to like BYU, Notre Dame, a lot of the bubble teams, I would take Wyoming over just about any of them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the metrics have to back it up, and the the wins have to back it up. You can't afford too many losses, and right now Wyoming stacking up the losses, like you said. But I still think they're a tournament team, and they're a dangerous tournament team at that. If they're in Dayton, they're a team that I could see winning a few games after uh, winning that Dayton game, should they do that. But uh, let's talk about let's talk about another bubble team here, and that's Xavier. They lost again to St. John's. They're seventeen and twelve. They've lost five straight. They've lost seven of eight. They host Georgetown, who has not won a game since December, December fifteenth to be exact. I mean, that was like almost three months ago. If Xavier does not beat Georgetown, there's no way they're in the NCAA tournament, right? If yeah, for one, uh, yeah, I mean this this team is on paper right now, or like the eye test says, this team, even if they beat Georgetown, which is not a good basketball team, I don't think like eye test wise they deserve to be in. Like I think they the resume might just be too much at this point to let them out of the NCAA tournament, but. I mean, they're certainly capable of losing to Georgetown the way they've been playing recently. And this this kind of goes to kind of the question we had preseason. Is Travis Steele a good coach? Because he has the roster around him is as good as he's had. Like he has Paul Scruggs, he has Zach Freeman, he has Jack Nungy, uh, he has Nate Johnson. Like all the pieces you could possibly want. I know there's been like a couple knick-knacking injuries here and there, but there's no excuses at, at this point, like the way Xavier is losing. And at this point, like I, I'm not here advocating for, you know, coaches to be fired, but I mean, I think there needs to be at least a serious, you know, examination into whether Travis Steele is the right person to lead this Xavier program going forward. We'll see, you know, if they they beat Georgetown, maybe they win a game in the big East tournament and uh, all is, you know, not lost and they win an NCAA tournament game, you know, who knows, but uh, it's, it's certainly not been good for Xavier. No. And when they got Paul Scruggs back and Nate Johnson back on the same day, I was like, man, this Xavier team could be really good. And then Zach Fremantle gets hurt. That changed things because it's taken him time to get back to what he was. And he's still not back to what he was last year. I think that's notable, but I mean, this team with or without Zach Fremantle playing like he did last year, should be better in 17 and 12. And it's not just that they've lost five straight. It's how they've lost those five straight. They lost by 15 to St. John's. They lost by 13 to St. John's at home. Lost by 11 to UConn. They went to three overtimes with Providence and lost, but they honestly might have outplayed Providence for a large portion of that game. Then they lost by like 16 to Seton Hall. I think that's 16. I'm really bad at math. That might be 14. 14 or 16. Uh, yeah, 16. They lost by they lost by 16 to Seton Hall. Like they're getting blown out in some of these games, and that certainly doesn't help the metrics. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, not at all. And yeah, I mean, Xavier, it's hard to say. Like, I think they probably take care of Georgetown, but I mean, the bubble is, it's not going to get much easier for a bubble team, which Xavier is now firmly on the bubble. And if they go one and done in the Big East tournament and you get bid stealers all over the place, I know there's probably not going to be a, you know, Pac-12 and uh, what was the other one? Oh, Big East. Big Big East, Georgetown. That, yeah. I don't think that's – I don't think Georgetown or Oregon State will be winning their respective conference tournaments this year. No, but, I mean, you still could have, like, the Atlantic 10 is probably destined for a big bid stealer. Uh, you think so? I – if – it's like Davidson – I think – Davidson or VCU – if they don't win, like if Dayton wins, which they they're looking pretty good at this point, and then you got yourself a bid stealer. So I mean, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, the American, I don't know if Memphis qualifies as a bid stealer, but like, no, nah, I don't think so. I think SMU could because they're certainly not a tournament lock, and they probably have work to do if they yeah. lose early in the conference tournament. That's probably it. I think Tulane could be a pretty. De- I mean, that's an under the radar bid stealer. I think Tulane could steal a bid. They have, yeah. Jalen Forbes and Jalen Cook can heat up in a hurry. And when you have two dynamic guards like that, you can go a long way. So I think Tulane could be a sneaky bid stealer. I don't think they do it, but I think they could. But Georgetown, I'm not convinced that they're just going to lose to Xavier. Like, I think Xavier could lose. I said that very strange. Yeah. I think I think Georgetown could beat Xavier. I don't think it's impossible yeah. because Georgetown just competed on the road against Seton Hall, who's better than Xavier. They were kind of in the game against UConn. They were in a game against DePaul, who's really not that bad. I mean, they're probably going to make the NIT. Then they played Villanova somewhat close. Then they played Marquette. They didn't get blown out there either. Like, they have a lot of losses recently where they were at least in the game. With with the way Xavier's playing, I'm not sure that Georgetown doesn't beat them. I'm really not sure. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Um yeah, that they end up on the wrong side of a bid stealer situation here, or just flat out, you lose to Georgetown, you lose first game of the Big East tournament. You're packing your bags to the NIT. One team that won't be packing their bags to the NIT, it's the TCU Horn Frogs, who yeah. followed up a great win against Texas Tech. We're like, they're in the NSA tournament, uh, you know, and now they're just playing for seeding, and then they're like, well, we're going to play for seeding, and they they go out, they beat Kansas, uh, a game they kind of controlled from the get go. Uh, then they they almost won again uh, tonight, as we're recording this at Kansas, uh, end up falling there. But I mean, a terrific two game stretch for the TCU Horn Frogs, and uh, look, they're already an NCAA tournament lock, but they're going to be a tough out for whoever they get uh, because this is kind of like a physical scrappy team. Yeah, really tough defensive team. Mike Miles is a dynamic guard. They only got five points from today on two for 12 shooting. But the fact that they only lost by four and they led for a majority of the game, despite Mike Miles probably having his worst game of the year, tells you what you need to know about this TCU team. They're going to compete on the defensive end of the floor every single night. I I really think their NCAA tournament uh, ceiling is limited, though, because if Mike Miles does have a bad night like he did today, I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to beat a lot of teams. They competed with Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse today. 
but with a seven with a uh, 10 seed or a nine seed or whatever what seed will uh TCU be eight or an eight or a seven probably destined for that like eight nine game yeah I, I think there's a lot of eight or nines I could beat them I it depends the matchup I'm not saying that TCU will definitely lose I think they could win a lot of games but I mean, if they play I, Auburn if they play Auburn if they play Auburn like, I think that means Auburn's the, a one seed yeah I think they Man, could win that game yeah I think I think they could beat Auburn I I don't think Auburn's going very far yeah like if they get Gonzaga like uh well that could nice, be a tough nice nice to get to the second week second round but uh you're I mean for TCU though I mean it, it's impressive because last year they were not bad but they weren't all that good. I mean, RJ Nemhard's gone from that team. Kevin Samuel's gone from that team. PJ Fuller's gone from that team. And this year they just got a lot better. They had some transfers like Emmanuel Miller has been a really good player. Damian Baugh has been great on the defensive end. Mike Miles has gotten better, even though his efficiency numbers are dropped. He's gotten better as a player overall. Chuck O'Bannon's been pretty solid. Micah Peavy is a great defender, fits his team really well. So I think TCU is a team that did a great job in the transfer portal surrounding their superstar Mike Miles with a lot of solid players. And that's why they'll be back in the NCAA tournament this year. And credit to Jamie Dixon, because like TCU is probably the hardest job to win at in the Big 12. And uh, for him to get this team to a couple big or NCAA tournament bids uh, here since he's taken over, I think that they were in 2018, I think. Uh, now they'll go again in 2022. I mean, that's a tough job to win at, and uh, he's doing that. So credit to him. Uh, another team that deserves a lot of credit, it is the Creighton Blue Jays, who without uh, Ryan Nembhard went out and they beat UConn. Kind of scrappy, you know, it was the game they needed to play to win the game. But for them to get that win, I think it assures that they're going to the NCAA tournament. Uh the metrics don't necessarily like them, but I think with the amount of quality wins they have on their uh, resume, it would be hard to leave Crit now. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the the fact that they were able to continue playing well without Ryan Emhart says a lot about this team, their toughness. They might not be the most talented team in the world. They do have a lot of talent, but especially that Ryan Emhart, who was such a valuable piece of this team, the fact that they were able to control the game from start to finish against UConn is impressive. Ryan Hawkins, he won't be a first-team All-Big East player, but he should be a second-team All-Big East guy. He's been such a valuable addition for him. Ryan Kalkbrenner's taking such a big step up this year. And Arthur Kaluma is a guy that could be like a first team all big East guy next year. Like he is really talented. He's going to be an NBA guy. I think he was a top 40 recruit originally committed to UNLV. He's going to be really good for Creighton over next year. I, I don't know if he's going to be in college more than next year. Cause he's probably going to be in the NBA uh, in a year or two, but Creighton's going to be in the tournament. I don't think they're going to win a game just because it's tough without your starting point guard to do that. But the fact that they're able to beat UConn and even get there after losing Ryan Emhart says a lot, a lot about this team. Yeah, certainly a good job by Greg McDermott to get this team because the, the amount of inexperienced guys that he's had to rely on, like he's playing it, Ryan Emhart, who uh, to begin the, with had never played a college game, and he's playing like him like 40 minutes a game, and he's being the you know lead guard for this team. You've got – uh, Ryan Hawkins, who you know, was D2 transfer. Uh, Two-time D2 national champion. Yeah. I mean, he's, a proven as, winner. Proven winner, but, I mean, still to 
see this guy to get him to transfer to Creighton and for him to be as good as he's been, that's been good. The development of Kalkbrenner has been absolutely key. Uh, he, you know, for much of last season, it was like tough to watch him play basketball. And uh, for him to now be like a legitimate, you know, potential first team, all big East uh, level center. I mean, that's, that's saying something. And I think this, uh, this Creighton team going forward into next year, they're going to be, uh, you know, really, you know, good basketball team. They, they might even win the big East uh, next year. Like with the amount of talent Villanova's losing, uh, Province is losing a lot of guys. So, I mean, the Big East is right there for the taking. I, I could see a situation where Creighton ends up winning that league title next year. You mentioned the A-10 a little bit ago, and VCU probably punched their ticket after just destroying St. Bonaventure. That was an impressive win with Ace Baldwin. They've been great. And Mike Rhodes is such a good coach. I mean, last year they were picked, I think, eighth in the preseason a 10 poll i wasn't very high on them i was higher on them this year but then ace baldwin gets her and then jameer watkins is done for the year so in the opening game of the year they are playing saint peter's they win by three the offense was awful the offense was bad again against wagner they scored 44 points it was bad against vanderbilt but they, they won only scoring 48 then they lose to a really solid chattanooga team but after they played in the battle for Atlantis, I believe, losing to Baylor and UConn, they came back, went on a winning streak. Ace Baldwin comes back. And while they're still not good on the offensive end, they're still pretty pretty bad on the offensive end. Ace Baldwin at least can make them a little bit better. And they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're going to make it a tough game every single night. And VCU will be back in the NCAA tournament after losing Bones Island, who was uh, their best player, was the best player in the A-10 last year. And now they're going to be right back in the tournament. And honestly, it's such a good storyline because if you're listening to this and you don't remember seeing VCU in the NCAA tournament last year, it's because they were the only team in the tournament field who didn't play because they had positive COVID cases that eliminated them and Oregon got to move on. So they did make the tournament last year as an at-large team, believe it, nine seed. 10 seed, 10 seed, but they were not able to play because of COVID. So that was just such a tough situation. I felt terrible for that program, but now they'll be back in the tournament after that. Yeah. And like you, you mentioned the battle for Atlantis, like they, they showed well in that, like they played Baylor pretty tough. Like they only lost by eight. Uh, they played UConn who I get they, third, third game in three days for UConn. They still went to overtime, uh, made a tough game. There, I mean, and you know, I guess they don't necessarily have the signature wins that you you would like if you're you know an NCAA tournament committee selecting teams. But I, I guess at Davidson, that's a pretty good win to start your resume with, and and at Dayton's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, it's not you, like it's not like beating Baylor, but it's good. Yeah, and you add to the fact like the committee has already said like with Illinois, with you know certain other teams that they are considering, you know, key guys being out of the rotation as part of their selection. Like there, there's, there might not be, you know, many more keyer guys, at least for, you know, an Atlantic 10 level team than Ace Baldwin because mm-hmm. on both you know, ends. Yeah. Point of attack. Like he's a great defender. He kind of runs the show offensively. Like without him, you don't really have a point guard and, you know, for him to kind of come back and be as good, good and, you know, as he has been, that's been key. They've got a tough game at St. Louis. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of, I think a lot of people still have VCU on the wrong side of the bubble, which I think is wrong, but 
I kind of thought they were all the way in. Yeah, I think I think that way as well. But like, I've so, seen so some... take back what I said. They might not be in back in the NCAA tournament. I have them at like I have them as a ten seed right now, but I mean I've seen some bracketologists have them on the wrong side. And I do, I, I don't. I mean that, get that's that, part so that's what it is with the bubble this year though. There's like twelve teams that you can really put in for the final few spots. Like there's a lot of options. Yeah, I, although I mean you take away Oregon, I. I think there's like 69 teams for 68 spots right now. I mean, that's that's going to change when we get to championship week. So, uh, but yeah, I think VCU, at least for me, they're comfortably in. Uh, but hey, if you beat St. Louis, you can prove to everyone who currently doesn't have you in that you deserve to be in. So, any last thoughts before we get into some picks here? No, let's get into the picks. I think that pretty much wraps up our uh, my thoughts from the week. Uh, oh, actually, no, it doesn't. Matt Bradley and Adam Seiko will be back at San Diego State next year. It's pretty big. There's, Matt Bradley might be the most valuable super senior returning next year. That's a guy that's been one of the best scorers in college basketball the last three years, his freshman year at Cali is pretty good, but he wasn't quite at that level yet. Averaging 17 a game for San Diego State. He had 30 against Wyoming the other day. And then a few days later, he announces that he will be back for one more season at San Diego State. That's going to be big because I think he has all-American potential next year. Yeah. It's going to be interesting with, like, uh, the amount of players that, like, take that extra year. Because I could see, like, not a lot of them taking it. Like, you're going to see, like, uh, I mean, Gillespie already took it. Like, um trying to think. Like, is Abaji's not going to take it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Players like that. Abaj- I mean, if you're going to be – here's how I see it. If you're going to be a bona fide NBA draft pick, you're probably not going to take it. Yeah. But if you're a G League guy, you're going to play overseas. Some of those guys probably will take it. And some of it depends, like, you know, what what else do you want to do in college? Like, there's some guys that don't have anything more to accomplish. Like, Luca Garza, he had nothing more to accomplish in college. He really wasn't going to get much for, for returning for another year. He was never going to be a first-round pick. So a lot of guys could improve their stock for returning for another year, but it really depends on the guy. I think there's a certain amount of players that could come back. We saw a lot of mid-major players transfer up, like Storm Murphy was one of them. Arian Jackson was another one. I think we see a lot of that again, maybe. Uh, but I, I think a fair amount. I think we'll probably see about the same amount as last year uh, return for that extra year. Yeah. Like, I I was – yeah, Baylor was playing Texas, and I think Fran Fraschilla was like, James Akinjo, I, I would – well, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes his uh, COVID – or covid senior year so i mean that's the kind of guy I look at like that could do it like he's probably not going to be an nba draft pick maybe plays yeah. in the g league maybe gets a two-way deal but it, it can he improve his stock by returning to baylor i mean can he go win a national championship that's that's yeah. the kind of guy i think could be interesting if he returned for another year yeah and then you're, like you're not I mean, going to get ochayabaji back that's not yeah. happening yeah but i mean can you get james akinjo back can you get um Bryson Williams back. Can you get Al Durham? I don't back? think you can get Bryson Williams back. I think he's out of eligibility. Oh. Can you get Mitch Lightfoot back? I definitely Jalen Coleman Lance. Can you get him back? 
definitely can't get either of those guys back. Those yeah. guys are definitely, I mean, I would assume they're both out of eligibility. I'm fairly certain they are. Hey, you, ne- you never know. Probably, though. Um, I mean, go down the list. Tommy Cousy, could he come back? No, nah, he already used his free COVID year. Yeah, like it, it's a. Uh, it'll be interesting. That, that's all yeah. I'll really say on that. But I guess we can get into picks now. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll start this right out though, because who who needs to go into some against the spread picks when we've got conference tournaments here and we've got three really big ones. Uh, we'll we'll start it out with the WCC, which uh, could be. You know, I think we all, we already picked the champion, but we're going to pick the bracket here uh, because why not? So, uh, nine seed Pacific versus eight seed Loyola Marymount. Who's winning this game? Well, that game already happened, so I'm going to go with Loyola Marymount. Oh. Uh, so I'll, I'll I feel pretty Loyola. confident about that pick. I feel really confident there. All right. I, I did not see that one. Yeah, I don't know if it was like televised. I think I think it was online only. Well, you got to televise your games. Come on. Um, which I San see... Diego and Pacific, San Diego and Pepperdine are playing right now. All right. So as we speak, those teams are playing. I'll uh, take Pepperdine. San Diego's leading, so I'll take San Diego. But I'll I'll prepare. Wow. Okay. Wow. They're up thirty six, thirty two. So. Just because they're leading. If you know te- trends team sent or trends show that if you're leading, all you have to do is play even in the second half and you win the game. Wow. So. Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's a fact. I can't dispute that. All right. Uh so BYU, Loyal and Marymount, do the Cougars get this win? I mean they have to. I think they will. Loyola Marymount. I thought they were going to be a tournament team. I was wrong. Uh, and I think BYU will win this one. I just think they're a lot better than Loyola Marymount. I think it'll be a close game. I'll go Barcelo and BYU to kind of close it out. Uh, yeah. Are you taking Pepperdine to beat Portland? No, I'm going to take Portland. I mean, Shantae Leggins doing a great job there this year. They have uh, Taylor Robertson, Moses Wood, Chris Austin. A lot of those guys can shoot the basketball. Christian Wrong Zolund. Of the year. Wrong. Yeah, I think I think he probably should have got it. Christian Zolund has been a very good player this year. He's had some big games, especially against San Francisco. So I think that uh, Portland will get a conference tournament win. All right. Um, yeah, I'll take Portland as well. Um, I guess I'm going to be boring here, but. I think Portland, you, you mentioned the scoring they have. I think they're a better team uh, than San Diego. So I'll, I'll take Portland here. Then we'll, we'll start at the bottom here, Santa Clara versus Portland for both of us. I'll take Portland. Why not? Mm. Uh, upset special uh, and Portland moves on. Got to pick an upset in here. So I'll take Portland to beat Santa Clara and face St. Mary's. I'll just say this, Santa Clara beat TCU by 20 earlier this year, and they didn't have Joseph Rankage in that in that game, who's their second best player behind Jalen Williams. So I feel like that's worth noting. Uh, Rankage was out for a few weeks. If he was back or if he played, I, I, a lot of that stretch down the uh, 
I think like three weeks he missed, I think Santa Clara could have been a tournament team. But I will say that uh, Santa Clara moves on here. All right. Uh, BYU-San Francisco, this is a big game for – I mean, if BYU is able to win that, that would certainly – I still don't think they're a tournament team, but they certainly have a good case if they win this game. And as for San Francisco, I think they win this game. They're in the NCAA tournament. They're not going to be, you know, if they don't beat Gonzaga, they're not going to be like a stone cold log. But I think at that point they'd be in the NCAA tournament. I'll take the Dons to go on and Mm -hmm. face Gonzaga, though. I think San Francisco is just better at pretty much every facet of the game. I think Alex Barcelo is the best player in the game. But I think uh, Yawn Masalski could have a good game. Jamari Bouye is really good. So I'll take San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, who does BYU have besides Alex Barcelo that you can like? That's been, that's been the problem for him. They haven't been able yeah. to generate a lot of offense outside of Barcelo. And if he's not having a good game, it'd be a long night for BYU. Yeah, like Traore has like his random good games, but... I mean, he's, he's a good player, but he's young, and he's not—he's yeah. not going to go get a bucket. He does a lot of his work, all pretty much all of his work down low, and a lot of it comes off of offensive rebounds. He's a great rebounder, but they don't have that kind of point guard that's going to go get a get a shot. Tijon Lucas is a solid player, but he's not that kind of TJ Hawes type of player, even a Brandon Averett to a certain extent. Yeah, so we're both taking the Dons to go on play Gonzaga, and yeah, I'm going to take Gonzaga. They're just one coming off that type of loss against St. Mary's, they're going to come out and just, I think, try to, even if they don't completely blow them out, because Todd Golden's going to find a way to keep this game within 20. I guarantee that. But yeah, Gonzaga's going to come out and show out and win this game somewhat handily. I mean, St. Mary's has the right formula to slow down Gonzaga. San Francisco plays fast, too. So that's not yeah. how you beat Gonzaga. So I think Gonzaga will be able to coast to a victory. Yeah. Then I've got St. Mary's versus Portland. I think the Portland Magic runs out. Uh, at least for the WCC tournament, they could go to, like, the CBI or CIT. or Which would be big for that program. I mean, yeah. even though it's one of the – it's not the NIT or it's not the NCAA tournament – yeah, postseason basketball is postseason basketball. Yeah, and you can develop your players. You can do a lot of things. So, hey, postseason basketball. Yeah. So, but in the end, uh, St. Mary's just a better team, and they'll get that rematch against Gonzaga. Yep, I'm with you there. I think they'll rematch Gonzaga, and I will take Gonzaga to win round three. It's hard to beat Gonzaga twice, and I think Gonzaga will be able to find the right formula to get enough baskets. I think it'll be a close game, but I think Gonzaga will be able to win. Yeah, give me give me Gonzaga to win somewhat handily. Like I think they'll win. St. Mary's will kind of I think it'll be a little bit like the first matchup where like St. Mary's kind of keeps it close for a little bit. It doesn't get completely blown out, but at, at the end of the day, the score is gonna read like 71 Gonzaga, 57 St. Mary's or something like that. And it's not at home for St. Mary's. So yeah. no court storming this time. Uh, moving on here though, the Missouri Valley tournament, that's going to be very fun to watch. We've got, um, thus far, all the top seeds have prevailed. It's been Illinois state beating Indiana state. And then we had Valpo beating Evansville, but there's a lot of teams that could end up winning this tournament. Uh, you have Northern Iowa, who's the one seed. You have Loyola who, uh, you know, some people think are a tournament team. I don't see it, but Hey, I think they are. 
Well, I don't think they're an at-large team. I, I I do. I think I I mean I think right now, even though I'm not a bracketologist, I'd put them in just with some of the other bubble teams that have lost. But they're a couple stolen bids away from being one of the first out. Yeah, I do, I don't have them in for what it's worth. So anyway, but Loyola, I mean they they at least need to get to the championship here. They have the good net ranking, uh, but they're going to need to make a run here in the Missouri Valley tournament at a bare minimum. First game, though, will start out Northern Iowa hosting Illinois State. Uh, You taking in the Panthers here? I am. Antonio Reeves is a big-time bucket getter for Illinois State, but A.J. Green was a conference player of the year, even though it definitely should have been Isaiah Mosley, in my opinion. But Noah Carter going in at at the five, he, when they switched that and went to the small ball lineup, this became a different Northern Iowa team. So I'll say Northern Iowa would win here. Yeah, I'll take Northern Iowa. I just think they're a little bit better team, and they will uh, end up playing a rematch from a week ago against Loyola Chicago because uh, I'll take the Ramblers to beat Bradley. I think Bradley has a good chance to win this game. They're going to kind of muck it up a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think the Ramblers have a little bit too much offensive talent. Terry Roberts is a great guard for Bradley, first-team all-conference selection, but I'll also take Loyola, rematching them with Northern Iowa, and then I'll go and take Northern Iowa to win the third matchup between the two. All right, we're going build here, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to take Loyola to win that game. Uh, I think third matchup here, third time's charm, and Loyola moves on. Loyola would be favored, I mean, almost yeah. certainly, I feel like. Oh, they, yeah, absolutely. Like the... I think they were favored when they played them last time. Uh, I, yeah, I think by two or something like that. Yeah, it was a close game, but I want to say I took Loyola as well. So bad, bad, bad pick, but yeah, I did too. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take Loyola here. You've got Northern Iowa, right? Yep. All right. Moving on to the bottom side of the bracket, we have Valpo playing Evansville. Uh, Valpo eviscerated Evansville, got them out of the way. So uh, that's going to be a tough game uh, for them to back it up going against who should be the uh, player of the year in the Valley, uh, Isaiah Mosley. I'll take uh, Missouri State to win this game somewhat comfortably. Yeah, Mosley's averaging 20 a game on 50-40-90 splits. He's one of the only players in the country. I, I think I looked it up. I think there's like two or three. He's one of them. So I think that Missouri State will be able to win this one pretty handily, like you said. All right. Then we've got Southern Illinois going on uh, to play Drake. Uh, that's going to be the late game of the Friday games. Uh, and I'll take Drake. Uh, you know, I just think they're a little bit better. So give me the Bulldogs to advance and give me giving Missouri State to get revenge on Drake because end of season last year, uh, Joe Yesfu ended Missouri State season uh, with mm-hmm. a floater. I think Missouri State, they've been waiting 365 days just to get back to this moment, just to play Drake again. I think they'll be motivated. And I think they beat Drake. Yeah, I mean, sneaky tough matchup for Drake because Lance Jones and Marcus Damask is a great duo to have for Southern Illinois. But I think Tucker DeVries and Darian DeVries will bring Drake to a victory here to face Missouri State, where, where I will also take Missouri State because I just think Isaiah Mosley and Gage Prim will be a little too much to handle. All right, then we've got Missouri State versus 
Loyola Chicago for me, and then Missouri State versus Northern Iowa for you. Taking Missouri State. I think I think they're the best team in the league. I mean, the metrics still say Loyola Chicago, but Missouri State is probably the second best team in the league in just about every metric. So I will take Missouri State to go and make the NCAA tournament. Thanks to Isaiah Mosley and Gage Prim. Maybe get some made three-pointers from Jamonte Black and Jalen Minette. I think we'll see the Bears in the tournament this year. All right. Uh, I picked Missouri State on the previous podcast, so I'll back it up. I'll take Missouri State to win this game. Send Loyola Chicago to the NIT and or or to Dayton. The NIT. If they get there, I think they're making the tournament. I don't think so. Too many bits. We'll see. We'll see. And bad bad resume metrics as well. Like they we'll are they have the good net ranking, which is beneficial. They they're good in Good in Ken Palm. Good in Ken Palm. But at the end of the day, it's it's not about Ken Palm. It's about um, beat who you beat, play who you beat. And I mean, the resume metrics for Loyola Chicago are rather unfavorable at this point of the year uh, because they are – are they here? Yeah, they're 62 in KPI and 56 in strength of record. Not great. Not great for a bubble team. So we'll see. Uh, maybe they, if they win, then they're obviously in. Maybe they sneak in, but I, I won't pick it. So there we go with that. One team that I am guaranteed to pick is Murray State. We're talking Ohio Valley now because Final Four is set. We've got Missouri or Murray State versus uh, Southeast Missouri. And I think we, we both take Murray State here, right? I mean, Simo gave them a, a push the other day, but I will take Murray State, yeah. Yeah, just too much talent here. And then uh, this is kind of a big game for uh, Friday night. It is Belmont against Moorhead State here. I will take Moorhead State to advance uh, to the championship game. I like John, John, or John A. Broom uh, to kind of have a big game here. And, yeah, give me Moorhead State to go on the matchup against Murray State. I mean, it looked like Belmont was going to be able to cruise to an OBC title last year, but Moorhead State just destroyed them in the conference tournament championship. I don't think it'll be a 15-point game like it was that time, but I think Moorhead State will be able to win. They have a lot of shooting. Janiah Broom is a great player. Then I think that'll give us, what, Moorhead State against Murray State? Yep, we both got it. So Murray State for me. They're yeah, just I'll, take, I'll take Murray State. Like, I think Moorhead State. Janiah Broom. Go on. No, Janai Broom is a tough matchup for Murray State. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, but Murray State has a lot of depth, especially with their big men. They go to Nicholas McMullen. They can put K.J. Williams at the five, D.J. Burns. They have a lot of different options they can put at that five spot. So they could make it tough on Janai Broom. I just think there's too many options for Murray State. Yeah. Same thing. Like, I think Moorhead State's going to kind of, like, they're going to – slow down the you know inside scoring of KJ Williams. I think they're gonna kind of make this like a Tevin Brown type of game. But at the end of the day, like Murray State has three elite players, whereas Moorhead State just kind of has Janae Br- or Janae or Johnny Burr. Janae Broom. Janae Broom. So yeah. 
get, give me Murray State to advance here and Moorhead State. Hey, maybe they go to the NIT. Maybe. They could. Yeah, I think, Probably not. I think, you know, I, it would be interesting to see a two-bit OBC, and I think the most likely scenario where that happens is Moorhead State beating Murray State because I just can't see Belmont competing with the athleticism and size of Murray State. Yeah. Like, we, we saw that matchup twice, and what the combined margin of victory might have been 60 points. Like, I don't know if that's fact. I think it was. I think it was. All right. Neither but, game was close, even at all. Yeah. Like, it it was just complete beatdown. Uh, let's see. The first game here, pulling up. Uh, Murray State only won by 22. And then the second one, they won by 33. So, 55-point margin of victory. Just under. Just under. The fact that I, I threw out 60 is kind of like a – Oddball guess, it was somewhat close. That that should tell you how bad they beat them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Moorhead State. If it's too bid OVC, it's Moorhead State. Or maybe CMO just upsets Murray State in the first round. Yeah, I don't see that. Probably not. All right, rest of the picks now? Rest of the picks. Going against the spread. And here, here we got an interesting scenario here because – you you tied me. You came back this week and Love to see I had it. the good week. And here we go. The record currently set at one sixty two, one thirty nine for both of us. So we're we're all tied entering championship week. So what better way to go around? So first pick here though, Alabama go on the road to take on LSU. I mean, a tough one to bet because Alabama is just so fluky, but I'll go LSU to protect home court. I mean, Alabama just lost by 16 at home to Texas A&M, who they have 19 wins, but they're not making the NCAA tournament. They're probably making the NIT. I will take uh, LSU, I guess. I don't feel comfortable about it because I don't know how to feel about LSU, but Tari Eason is probably the best player on the floor. I trust LSU's defense, which sounds – crazy to say considering how bad they usually are defensively but they're great defensively this year so i'll take lsu yeah to cover uh, yep yeah, lsu minus five consensus pick arkansas going on the road to take on tennessee these two played earlier this year and it was it was a bad game like neither team could score uh both were playing tough defense uh overtime time, right no no i don't think so Hmm. They're thinking about the wrong Tennessee game. Tennessee is like they're like tough defensively. They're not like but they get. They're really good at home. I mean, they've beaten Kentucky, they've beaten uh, Arizona, and they've beaten Auburn. Auburn all at home. So I think this will be the same kind of deal. What's the spread again? Seven. That's a lot of points. Tennessee giving seven. Yeah. I'm taking Arkansas with the points. I'll take Tennessee with the points. We've got Fulkerson senior day, I think. Yep. So. I, I think Arkansas is a better team, but on the road, it's tough to win in Knoxville. I can't see Arkansas winning, but I think they're good enough, especially defensively, to keep it below seven. All right. Differing picks here. I, I'm i going to take this one. Indiana go on the road to take Purdue, and feels like Ron Harper Jr. just – completely 
took whatever life Indiana had in them. I don't know how they respond when they go on the road to take on Purdue, but I don't think it will be well. I'll take Purdue to win by 10. I'll take them to win by 20. Uh, yeah, 10-point spread. Give me, give me Purdue. I'll take Indiana with the points. I just don't know what to think about either team. I, I don't think Indiana is all that good, but I also don't know what to think about Purdue, especially defensively. Trace Jackson Davis did get into foul trouble almost immediately in the first matchup, even though Indiana ended up winning. I will say Indiana keeps it within 10, but I think Purdue is able to win by like nine. All right. So differing picks there. Kentucky going on the road to take on Florida. Florida, I mean, if they get this win right there on the – bubble they might be in but I don't think they get this one I think Kentucky they're finally getting healthy they probably should have uh, won the Arkansas game felt like they kind of let that one get away I think they win this game not only by six I think they win it by double digits I think Kentucky will win this one fairly handily. I just don't think Florida's all that good. They struggle shooting the ball from deep, and they take a lot of them. They only did a big game from Colin Castleton. I mean, the matchup between Castleton and Oscar Sheepway should be pretty good, but I just think Kentucky is just a better team by a lot. All right. So, same pick there. Texas Tech going on the road should take on Oklahoma State. This is the number one thrill score, according to Ken Palm. So, had to include it here. Uh and Texas Tech is three-point favorites. Oklahoma State's last game of the year. Yeah. What better way to go out winning? I'll take Oklahoma State to win. Yeah, I will too. I don't know what to think about this Texas Tech team. I don't. Ninth and Ken Palm, and look, they are really good. They are. Don't get me wrong. But they barely got past Kansas State. They lost to TCU. And I said it last podcast, can a team with Bryson Williams, their best player, really be a final four contender and I think the answer is no and I think Oklahoma State will be able to make this game a low scoring ugly game because Oklahoma State's a really good defensive team as is Texas Tech but it's at home give me Oklahoma State and Stillwater yeah and then like I I could see a situation where like Texas Tech loses this game and then just goes goes out and like gets the right matchups and wins the Big 12 tournament like I think that's on the yeah I think they could and Kevin McCuller also did not play against Kansas State so we'll see what happens yeah I think they I mean this game I think means a lot more to Oklahoma State than it does to Texas Tech in a way because like Texas Tech took themselves out of the Big 12 race so they're not really playing for much besides seeding at this point and I think that they'll be rest maybe even resting up a little bit for the Big 12 tournament so yeah, give me Oklahoma State. Seton Hall go on the road to take on Creighton. If the Blue Jays aren't already a lock, a win here would certainly do it. I'll take them to beat Seton Hall. Mm. What's the spread? Uh, minus a point. So mm. I'll take Seton Hall. Uh, I just don't know what to think about Creighton still. Without Ryan Emmard, obviously the win against UConn was impressive, but UConn put themselves in a pretty deep hole. They were down 16 in the first half. That was tough to come back from. They ended up coming back, but it wasn't enough. I will take Seton Hall to win on the road. DCU going on the road to take on St. Louis. Or I'd pick Creighton minus one, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. DCU going on the road to take on St. Louis. VCU, a three-point dog here. Uh, you rolling with the Rams? Because I am. Yeah, yeah, I am too. St. Louis is a solid team, but I think top to bottom, VCU is better. That defense should be able to lead them to a win on the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah, give me VCU, especially like if 
there are enough people saying VCU's on the wrong side of the bubble. You know how you get your name on the right side of the bubble? You go out and win on the road uh, against you know a quad one opponent. So I think VCU will be motivated. They end up getting the win there. Uh, next game, Texas going on the road to take on Kansas. I'm certainly not taking Texas to win. Spread yeah, is zero kind of percent chance. I'm doing that. Yeah, uh, but I mean Kansas is favored by six. That's it. That's a that's an interesting line because like I would take Kansas giving like twelve. I, I just think they're so much better in Texas. I know Texas beat them earlier in the year, but I think Kansas is just way better. Yeah. They also kind of, I, if I'm remembering back, like they hit like a banked in three to win or something like that. Uh, they hit, Trey Mitchell hit a banked in three, I think to tie it. I don't think that was to win it. I think Timmy Allen hit the game winning shot. And now Trey Mitchell is, is on the team. All right. You've convinced me. I'll take Kansas minus the six, but I would feel great about it. I, I it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll it'll say a lot about Texas if they're able to go and compete in this game, but I just can't see it. The offense has not looked good all year, and I don't think that's going to we're, – we're in March already. This isn't going to change. Like, either you are what you are at this point, and Texas yeah. is a, not a very good offensive team. Yeah. Uh, next game up, must win for Wyoming. They're three-point favorites, hosting Fresno State. They don't win. Uh, it's it's kind of like the same situation as Little Chicago. It's like I want to include you here, but you've lost too many games in a row or too many games down the stretch to be included. So I think this is a must win. I'll take Wyoming, uh, especially last game of the season on their home court, uh, to win and cover the three point spread. Yeah, I'm with you. I think. It, it, Ideally for Fresno State, they want to keep the game low scoring, but I think Wyoming will be able to to get past that defense a little bit and get some buckets. Uh, I think the most notable game for from Saturday will ultimately end up being Duke North Carolina's Coach K's final game in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, it's his final regular season game. It's his final game against North Carolina, unless North Carolina does a UCLA type of run and makes the final four and they play Duke there, but that's not going to happen. So final game against North Carolina. Does Duke win this game by more than 12? I think they do. I mean, it's a big game for Duke, obviously. It's Coach K's last game and Cameron in- Cameron Indoor last game against their rivals, and they destroyed them in Chapel Hill. I don't know why this game would be anything different. I don't think North Carolina is very good. I think Duke is very good, and I think Duke will show that today – or Saturday, not today. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Duke as well. Like, they've got more – I don't know if, like, the, their, the offensive talent is necessarily too big. But, I mean, their defense is certainly better. And then, I mean, I think they're just top to bottom better. I mean, talent-wise, North Carolina obviously hasn't played up to their talent level. Yeah. But Duke has several first-round picks. Yeah. Nobody on North Carolina's roster is going to be a first-round pick. The the kind of, like, thing about the first matchup is, like, Duke came out and, like, punched them in the mouth. And North Carolina, instead of, like, kind of fighting back, was like, all right, I guess we're just going to get killed by 20. Like you well, can't they got back many. in it, though. They did get back in in the first half, and they had a chance to cut it to below double digits, but they weren't able to. And from there on out, it was kind of just game. It was never a game. It like, was briefly late like, in the first half. Like a two-minute stretch. Yeah, I mean, that was 
that was where North Carolina could have gotten back into it. But as soon as they didn't cut it to single digits, you kind of knew that game was over. This one going to be an interesting one. Boise State going on the road to take on Colorado State. Colorado State three point favorites here. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take the Rams. I think they they won maybe by three or something. Like it was Super mm-hmm. Bowl Sunday. They, it was. Uh, I think they won by two because right. David Roddy got the block on the other end in overtime. I will take Colorado State also. I think they are just a better team than Boise State. The first, yeah, you're right. They did win by three. I think I think Colorado State is better. I think they're the best team in the Mountain West. I know Boise State won the Mountain West uh, regular season title, but I think Colorado State's the best team in the league. They're at home. I'll take the Rams to win by three or more in this one too. Yeah, it, it's. I, I guess they're they're end up going to end up fit, only being a game back after after Colorado State wins this game. And if they could if just they have like. I'm marking up as a win. If they could have just had one of those UNLV games, Colorado State. Then wins. they would have won the league, but they yeah. didn't. Yeah. Uh, USC going on the road to take on UCLA. UCLA, 10 point favorites here. Oh, boy, which, that's a lot of points. Yeah, I agree. Like, USC has UCLA's number to begin with. So, I mean, you've got that going. I mean, you've got potential injury issues with UCLA. Not sure if Juzang will be there. So, yeah, I'll take UCLA plus the 10. I don't know how good either of these teams are. I mean, USC, we mentioned earlier because it was not really a storyline. Arizona just crushed USC. That game was never close. It was on the road. Arizona just destroyed them from start to finish. UCLA has been up and down. I haven't been that impressed by them this year, even though they were a top five team in the preseason. And USC, I mean... I just don't see them as a top 25 caliber team. And when they face teams with similar sizes, as them, they really seem to struggle in Stanford. They lost twice against Arizona. They lost twice, obviously losing to Arizona twice isn't a bad thing, but teams with similar size, that's where USC wants to win games using their size and athleticism and beating teams that way. They could do that against UCLA. So I think that they'll be able to keep it competitive. I think they'll cover 10. All right. Moving on to Sunday's game. This one's a big one because I think if Memphis gets the sweep of Houston and they already have that Alabama win, which not aging well, but it's still a is it even a Q1? I think it still is. If so, it can't be by that much. Yeah. It is it is still Q1. So I mean for now. Alabama, yeah, they're 25. 25. Like yeah. that that's close. It's kind of close. But, I mean, I think this Memphis team, if they get this win here, I think they're in. I'll say that. Like, they have decent enough metrics. The bad losses they had, they also have the, like, DeAndre Williams excuse. They get this win, and, I think and, they're in. And, like, losing to Murray State, like, at the time, you might have been like, all right, that's not a loss that really uh, is going to help you. I mean, no out. losses really help you, but it's a quadrant one loss. I mean, that's yeah. what it is at this point. So at it's that not point, a bad loss. It was like that worst loss I've ever seen in Memphis. Get them out of here. They're terrible. And well, I mean, like, they lost to Georgia like two games prior. So that was probably the worst loss. But Georgia, the losses to Georgia and Ole Miss are pretty bad. Lost to East Carolina is pretty bad. Lost to Tulane isn't very good either. I think that Memphis will be able to win this game. I think they just they they have they're a bad matchup for Houston because Houston gets those offensive rebounds, but so does Memphis. I mean, they're one of the few teams in the country that can really compete on the glass with Houston. And then Memphis just has more around them 
uh, to score the basketball. So I'll take the Tigers to win this game. Yeah, I'll take Memphis as well, especially like you add in the bubble motivation. I think this Memphis team is going to show up fired up. They won the first matchup. I think they're going to be hoping for that sweep. I'll go Memphis as well uh, to take, and I'll take the four points in the process. So, I mean, if, if Houston wins and they win by three, we still win. So both going on Memphis here. This one's a big one for I mean, Ohio State's been struggling, but it's a big one for Michigan because they're at this kind of point where they've like won one, lost one, won one, lost one. They need to win this one because you win this one, you're going to be at least three games over 500 entering selection Sunday. It's not going to be great if that's the case, but at least there's precedent in the past for teams being three games over the five, over 500 getting into the NCAA tournament. There's no precedent whatsoever for a team two games over 500 making the NCAA tournament field. So at that point, uh, you're probably looking at you got to at least win two games in the Big Ten tournament. So this is as w- must win as it gets for Michigan, uh, and they they only they win one, they lose one. They win one, they lose one. I'll go Michigan to go on the road and beat a kind of underwhelming Ohio State team. They lost to Ohio State at home. Like, I don't know why I would think they beat them on the road. I know Nebraska beat them. EJ Liddell should have a pretty good pretty good game. And Ohio State looked like the better team for pretty much all of that first matchup. I think they'll be able to win this one in cover. All right. Differing picks here. Gonna be gonna be a big game though for Michigan. Must win. Must win. Yeah, definitely agree. And then close out the regular season. What better way uh, than Iowa go on the road to take on Illinois? These teams don't necessarily like each other, but um, yeah, it's gonna be a fascinating game. You've got Kofi Coburn who's gonna try to overwhelm Iowa inside. Then you've got Keegan Murray who uh, is gonna be just as much of a Mismatch. I'm going to take Iowa plus the points here. Uh, I just think they're playing really good basketball. Solid Illinois struggle. So, yeah, give me Iowa plus four. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, it's tough to win in Champaign, but I think Iowa is a pretty interesting matchup here. They can put Patrick McCaffrey, Chris Murray, and Keegan Murray on the floor at the same time. And what that'll do is give them five shooters. That'll take Kofi Coburn away from the basket. And that's where he really struggles defensively when he's not a rim protector. So I think that Iowa not only covers, but wins. All right. So we got, we both got Iowa there. Should be a fun weekend of college basketball. Last weekend uh, of the regular season. Uh, we've got you a little sad. Yeah. I, that, the hard part is like the season kind of flies by. So it's, then you're like, all right, well, right now we've got, you know, championship week, which is always like championship week. And like the first two weekends of the NCAA tournament are like the most entertainment you can possibly get. And then like you see all these teams like lose, then like you get to the sweet 16 elite eight, then you're kind of like, all right, who's going to win the title? Who's going to make the final four? But like the season, like in a month is like going to be pretty much over like that, which makes me sad. Yeah. Let's see. Championship is April 5th. Almost a month. That's sad. Very sad. So, uh, yeah, it should be 
I mean, championship week's going to be good. We, of course, you know, last weekend of the regular season, always going to be fun. So going to have a load show next time. Uh, so stay tuned uh, until that. Any last thoughts, though, before we sign off? That'll do it for me. All right. That'll wrap up for the Making Madness College Basketball Podcast. We'll be back to break it all down.